This is Bentley Manning. And this is Kellen Day. This is an experiment to see what happens when church gets canceled. And we find new ways to connect. This is... This is... This is... Empty Pews. Hey, happy Wednesday, Empty Pews listeners. This is Kellen. I'm coming to you from beautiful Highlands. And this is Bentley. I'm in Highlands as well, and it's stunning outside. It finally stopped raining, and the sky is as blue as it gets. That's ridiculous. Um, And fall is in the air for sure. Mm, So good. Kellen, I'm not as good at keeping track as you are, but we're, I think, episode 25? I believe that's right, Bentley. I think this is episode 25. And what's amazing is that people are still listening. I know. It is amazing. So before we go any farther, I think it's worth just saying thank you to the people that have remained uh, committed to the podcast. Yeah, there are some really faithful listeners out there, and we're just so grateful that you've uh, kept up with us. Even if you haven't been with us every episode, um, the fact that you're tuning in now means a lot to us. Thank you all. Um, We do enjoy making the podcast, so to, to know that folks are listening makes gives us reason to continue and uh, I'm grateful uh, for your uh, continued support of the show so keep continuing to listen <laughs> 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 So there are kind of two things that I'd love to talk about in the beginning of this episode, Bentley. One is an article that your wife sent to our couple's group text, which we have. um, And the other one is the Bishop Slate for Chicago. Great. Where do you want to start? uh, I mean, one's a little, obviously a little more churchy than the other. Yeah. So maybe end with that one? end with the churchy? I don't know. Okay, let's start with the New York Times piece. Uh, Leslie sent us this article maybe a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, she sent it to us like a week and a half ago um, on a Sunday morning with the description. Do you remember what she said, Bentley? Uh, This reminds me of church. This is how I feel about missing church or something like that. Yeah. Just a quick caveat. Really surprised you were able to read the article. I know that you're always, you've got a limited number (laughs) of reads per month because you don't subscribe to the newspaper if anyone's thinking about a wonderful gift to get kellen for christmas or something you could you could get her a subscription to the new york times i'll send her articles and she's like i "I can't i can't can't read it (laughs) because i've run out i would like the subscription with the games because i want to play spelling bee (laughs) yeah so if there's a if if there's a uh, just to clarify that mom dad anyone out there listener who would like to help kellen out this would be a wonderful way to support her continued <laughs> education so the, so the article is called is it strange to say i miss the bodies of strangers and leslie sent it to us saying this this reminds me a bit of how i feel about missing church mm-hmm. so kellen the article really kind of revolves around hammams what are those bentley so a hammam is a bathhouse. You, you find these in turkey you also find them in Russia, and they're a handful, I know, in the Northeast. Um, I guess we have spas in the South, but they're these bathhouses where people go to 
relax, to be um, kind of restored physically, uh, to get cleaned up, to warm up a bit. I mean, they're, they're, I've been to one in Istanbul, and it was one of the best things I've ever done in my life. Wow. Yeah, so they give you a little towel, a bowl of water, and then you go in this big room and um, sweat for a couple of hours, and then you feel clean afterwards. <laughs> You're really selling this. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what, Kellen, what does the article say? What, what, what is the, what's, what's the focus of this article? Well, on one hand, it is a lot about the writer, Leslie Jameson's experience of baths, right? She said she went to six baths or hammams in 36 hours. Like she went on this great tour right before the quarantine. Like a connoisseur of these hammams. Yeah, exactly. Um, But then it kind of pivots in some ways to talking about that, the stark contrast of being um, sort of connected to the bodies of strangers in this very physical and um, somewhat pleasurable way. And then the very opposite life of quarantine and the COVID-19 pandemic where... Sterile, isolated. Yeah. And she has this great word of um, describing other people's bodies as vectors, right? Like that's how um, we've all been described to one another right to be fearful of the stranger because they could harbor the virus and spread it to you or you could carry the virus to someone else um which just i mean that resonate just walking down the sidewalk you know you 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 are avoiding people i'm avoiding people yeah i like you're like 20 feet away yeah, from everybody right space. now <laughs> just like yeah, so head out of the way each, we fear the bodies of other people yeah and before the pandemic um there existed this space in the hammam but in other places too right coffee shops worship you know just lots of spaces where concert the, halls yeah the bodies of strangers was a comfort right um, baseball games so many places so uh, we're not going to be able to fully summarize or kind of, you know, give you the full picture of this article. I, I would commend it to your reading. Uh, part, yeah, definitely go and read it or listen to it. Or listen um, to it. Part of the beauty of it is not just recognizing uh, the great loss that we've all been experiencing, but, but uh, Leslie is a beautiful writer and really kind of is able to put words to what I think we all feel. Um, so instead of trying to summarize it, we thought we'd just uh, read a couple of excerpts from the article. Yeah, so I love this section. Um, it's a little bit more than halfway through the article. And she says, In line at the grocery store a few weeks after I returned from Istanbul, just a few days before lockdown, with my own cart full of diapers and Pedialyte, I admired the cart of the elderly woman standing in front of me. It held nothing but cookies and beer. <laughs> Her cart seemed to be telling me, you'll need those diapers, but that's not all you'll need. She had so many years of living under her belt. I bet she knew a fair amount about pleasure and also about endurance, how each permits the other and how impossible they are to separate. Pleasure demands presence. It invites you to inhabit your body more fully. No part of you is held at remove. All right, Kellen, here's a section that Uh, spoke to me when we lose the ability to live among the bodies of strangers we don't just lose the tribal solace of company 
but the relief from solipsism, the elbow brush of other lives unfurling just beside our own, the reminder of other people's daily survival, the reminder that there are literally seven billion other ways to be alive besides the particular way I am alive, that there are countless other ways to be lonely besides the particular ways I am lonely, other ways to hope, other ways to seek joy. So good. Gosh. Okay, and for those of you who are, for some reason, not going to go read or listen to this article, even though we've begged you to, here's the final paragraph, which is just stunning. And maybe you could replace baths with worship in your mind here. When we finally return to the baths, our ease won't be the same. It will always hold the memory of this virus and the collective isolation it has plunged us into. But perhaps the intimacy of our reunion won't be compromised, but sharpened by deprivation. And it will be with deepened hunger that we find our way back into one another's company again. All right, Kellen, so the other thing that you wanted to talk about on the first half of the podcast was the Bishop Slate for the Diocese of Chicago. That's a diocese that I don't know anything about, but I do have a fondness for uh, because uh, Frank Griswold, Bishop Griswold, was a bishop there years back, and he's one of my heroes. So you came to me the other day and you said, have you seen the Slate uh, for the Episcopate in Chicago, and I thought, N- no, <laughs> why? <laughs> why would I do that? So then you had me pull it up, and uh, what I discovered was, and I think this is why you were eager to share this with me, is that every single candidate, uh, candidate's the right word here, mm-hmm. is a person of color. Right. I think it's the first late ever in the Episcopal Church's history where there's an Episcopal busy slate with four people of color yeah so they're four they're four uh folks that's it some from chicago some from other areas of the country boston new york standing uh for election Mm -hmm. um two women two men but all people of color and i just thought that was like monumental and notable and something to be celebrated in today's age I think from my perspective, I'm deeply committed to a Catholic faith, uh, which is to say a universal faith, one that is representative of the whole. And I think to have bishops, to have leaders who represent the great diversity and perspective of God's creation can't be anything other than, in my mind, a wonderful thing. And it's, it is refreshing uh, to see a church slowly uh, becoming more reflective of uh, God's, God's people, God's people, um, and as someone again committed to the Catholicity of this faith, um, I think it's a really wonderful thing. So this week's gospel passage um, is from Matthew, and we're kind of in this section where we're getting hit with a bunch of pretty intense parables. Yeah, one Um, after the other. Yeah, so this week, Bentley, you're up to preach, so I'll summarize a text real quickly. Um, Jesus tells a parable where the kingdom of heaven is like a king who's trying to throw a wedding banquet for his son. 
Um, he sent his slaves to get people to come to this wedding banquet to celebrate. And, you know, they don't come. They Some just flat out reject the invitation and some kill his slaves whom he sent to tell them to come. Um, so he's pretty upset about it. This king who has slaughtered various animals to eat and has thrown this big party. So then he sends his slaves into the streets to invite everyone there and um, found a bunch of folks who want to come to a good party. And the wedding hall, it is said, it was filled with guests. But then the king comes to see these guests and he notices that there's one man not wearing the correct attire, the wedding robe. And he asks, how'd you get in here without that? And um, then the king orders him to be thrown out of the party. Um, so that's our story for this coming Sunday, Bentley. Um, initial thoughts. Initial, initial thoughts is that uh, this kind of disrupts our perception that Jesus isn't very judgy. Super judgy here. This is a little tough. Yeah, yeah, it is a little tough. That poor guy who's not wearing the right wedding robe. Didn't get in. He's not in. He's in the outer <laughs> darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Yeah, so we've got to kind of figure out uh, what what this parable's uh, getting at, um, or at least some of what it's getting at. So I think this week you all might see the kind of gritty process of sermon preparation um, because Bentley and I are looking at each other and we're looking at commentaries and we're looking at our books and our hands are kind of up in the air a little bit. Um, But I think maybe two questions might guide our conversation. Like one, where are you in this parable, Bentley? Where am I? Where are you as a listener? And then maybe two, if we get there, we might not, is where's Jesus? Kellen, I think those are wonderful questions. I the the I think where I'm seeing myself or I where I picture myself uh being in this parable is I mean it's hard not to try to identify with the with the man who won't put on the wedding garment. Mm-hmm. And I'm aware that you know, there's this beautiful banquet, this beautiful meal, and there are good people there and there are bad people there. That's what the parable says. The good and the bad are invited. And there's this one figure whose kind of own self-interested ego, his desire to kind of enter into this, into this wedding banquet on his own terms prevents him from delighting in the company gathered for this wonderful meal. And so I can't help but think a little bit about my own kind of ego-driven choices to encounter other people, other groups, God himself on my own terms, and how that really prevents me uh, from sharing in and delighting in the company of God and others. That's kind of where I kind of find myself in this parable. Um, as you know, Bentley, I'm having a very hard time finding myself in this parable. I don't exactly know where I'm situated because I just have this strong reaction to what I think is a pretty 
intense judgment scene in Matthew, right? It's a parable that describes how many are going to be at the banquet, but there are some who are not called and they'll be thrown out into the outer darkness, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm trying to reconcile that with, you know, the theological sentiment and who I know God to be, that God's judgment is always mercy. And I'm having a hard time finding the mercy in this parable, just to be honest. Though there are certainly moments in our lives where judgment is necessary and required. I think that judgment can free us up for a new way of living, a new way of being in ourselves. I think that's true. But then we have to extend the story, which Jesus does not do. So I think right now where I'm at in this parable is outside waiting to see what happens to the man who's been thrown out. Does his life change? Is he willing to put on the wedding garment now that he knows what it's like to be outside of that room? Does he shift gears? Is there newfound grace there? I don't know. Mercy, mercy. Mercy, mercy. Here's a prayer. Oh God, you declare your almighty power chiefly in showing mercy and pity. Grant us the fullness of your grace that we, running to obtain your promises, may become partakers of your heavenly treasure. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Empty Pews. It's been so lovely to have you with us. So a couple of announcements for you all. Monday through Thursday, we are offering morning prayer in the chapel at 8.30. We have Holy Eucharist in the garden at noon on Wednesdays. And then starting this Sunday, we have uh, Holy Eucharist in the chapel at 8.15, but signups are required, and this coming Sunday is already full, uh, but please be on the lookout uh, to sign up for that in the future. We love you. We miss you. God's peace.